on their feet. Let's do it. You're not with me. How many of you worked up a sweat just watching that thing? Yeah, well, today we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about our bodies. How many of you have one? Yeah, we only get one, right? And Richard Simmons wasn't the first one to put the idea of staying physically fit on the map. In the last 40 years, we have spent billions of dollars on devices, diets, personal coaches to take care of our bodies. For instance, the vibrating belt, Jack LaLanne's TV tips and juicing, Jane Fonda's aerobics, Bowflex home gyms, thigh masters, eight minute abs, Thai bow, Pilates, spinning, P90X, sauna suits, oh, we fit, sauna suits, 21 day fix, Whole30, Fitbit, CrossFit, you name it, someone sells it, we buy it. Our culture is more than happy to tell us how much of our bodies we ought to augment, complement, supplement, biox, Botox, detox, amplify, magnify, or rectify. And you take a stroll down a grocery checkout line or a magazine aisle in a store or on social media, and we are bombarded with images of how our culture thinks we ought to take care of our bodies. It's not helpful. For instance, Seventeen Magazine, a young woman's magazine. I mean, seriously, only 625 pretty looks for you? That's it? That's it? Or this one from Health Magazine, bombarded with lose weight, get a flat belly, be gorgeous. I love the one in the upper right-hand corner. Amazing anti-aging tricks. You don't have to get older. Really, really. Or the Men's Health Mag, or Men's Muscle Magazine. The most ripped star in Hollywood. I told my wife this week, I'm gonna get ripped. She looked at me with wonder. And then she said, no wonder. I'll bet almost everyone in this room has said something like this in the past year. I need to take better care of myself. I need to exercise more. I need to eat healthier. And we often swing to two extremes when it comes to our health. One is to care too little. We don't really pay much attention to what we eat, how we exercise, our work habits. We just assume our body is always gonna be there for us. And then when we get a health crisis, our body is all we think about, which is the other extreme, is to care too much. We have this mental image of the ideal me, we obsess about it sometimes. We pursue the latest work routine, go to the hottest gyms, wear the latest fashion and cosmetics, fixate on our low body fat index. The obsession can lead to eating disorders. In fact, there are 10 million women and 1 million men right now in a life and death battle because of a body obsession. Eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. So some of us, need to pay more attention to our health. Some of us need to pay more attention to other things besides that. And some of us might need some professional care or a recovery group, like Celebrate Recovery. And God's voice should be the most powerful voice we can listen to to take care of our bodies. After all, this body that we have was God's idea. In fact, the David, who wrote the Psalms, was almost speechless when he wrote these words about the human body, Psalm 139, it's in your program notes if you want to pull them out. 
It's on the screens. For you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Fearfully means amazingly complex, awe-inspiring. That word is often used to describe God. Wonderful means too extraordinary for words, uniquely different from any other creation. Now let this thought settle in your mind. You, your body, is the most magnificent created thing in the universe. Let that settle in your mind a little bit. For instance, the human body has 10 to the 28th number of atoms. Scientists estimate that there are only 10 to the 20th number of stars in the entire universe, which makes the human body one million times more complex than all the stars in the universe. And if you've ever wondered, why is it that I have a hard time understanding the people around me? It's because they're a million times more complex than the universe. That's why. And our our bodies automatically replace 90% of those atoms every year. Our skin, we have approximately nine pounds of skin, which our body replaces every two weeks. So much for the tan. And over the course of our lifetime, we will slough off 40 pounds of dead skin. Hair. We have over 5 million hair follicles. During our lifetime, we will grow over 2 million feet of hair on our scalps alone. Where does all that hair and dead skin go? Now you know why old couches weigh so much. (laughs) Our hearts, that little 10-ounce muscle beats 100,000 times every day. 2.5 billion times in our lifetime and never takes two minutes off. Think about that. The adult heart pumps 2,000 gallons of blood through 60,000 miles of, of blood vessels every single day. The human eye contains over 100 million rods and cones. In a third of a second, the retina solves the equivalent of nonlinear differential equations that would take supercomputers decades to solve. You are fearfully and wonderfully Made. We have 200 bones. The femur in our leg has the strength of reinforced concrete capable of supporting six tons before it fractures. We have 600 muscles. To lift a fork full of food into our mouths involves the muscles of over 30 joints. Kissing involves 34 different muscles. However, eating and kissing do not count as physical exercise. Our ears have over a million moving parts. The human nose can distinguish 10,000 different smells. And the brain, the brain, Isaac Asimov um, said, in man is a three-pound brain, which as far as we know is the most complex and orderly arrangement of matter in the universe, which is high praise coming from someone, one of the most brilliant minds of the 20th century who remained an avowed atheist till he died. Your brain, my brain, can hold enough information contained in 25 million books. If you line them on, on a shelf, it would be 500 miles long. By contrast, the Library of Congress has 17 million books. Turn to the person next to you, look at them, and tell them you 
are the most magnificent creation in the entire universe. How's that feel? Feeling better already? Yeah, think about that. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, not by an unattended process that had an electromagnetic burp billions and billions of years ago, but by an imaginatively, powerfully creative God who said, let's make human beings in our image. And when God created the male and the female, he stood back and said, whoa, whoa, that is good. That is good. And since God designed it, he knows how we should take care of it, don't you think? And this is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, because there's a group of people that he's writing to that said, it's my body, I'll do with it whatever I want. And Paul writes to him and says, this is what you're saying, I have the right to do anything you say. But Paul says, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything they're saying, but Paul says, I won't be mastered by anything. <clears throat> by his power, God raised by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So here are five quick things about our bodies. You can write them down. Number one, it belongs to God. Verse 19, you're not your own, which is a very radical concept in our individualistic basic human rights world. We have the idea, it's my body, and I can do with it whatever I want. But when we give the leadership of our lives over to Jesus, that includes our bodies. Number two, Jesus paid for it. Verse 20, you were bought at a high price. If you've ever wondered, what am I worth? Just look at the life of Jesus. Just look at the cross. He said, you're worth my life, which involves your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. Number three, it, our bodies are spiritually connected to Christ. Verse 15, your bodies are members of Christ himself. Verse 19, the Holy Spirit lives in my body. Here Paul uses the picture, the illustration of the temple. In that day, the temple was the place where the spiritual world and the earthly world intersected. That's where human beings met God, was in the temple. That's where you got together. The temple was a very sacred clean, strictly regulated, holy place. You couldn't walk into the temple and just do anything you wanted. In fact, there was a Roman emperor named Antiochus Epiphanes who, to really rile up the Jews, sacrificed a pig on the altar, the ultimate sacrilege. And it so enraged the Jews that they got an army together called the Maccabees and they tossed the Romans out of Jerusalem for a time. There are certain things you do not do in the place where God dwells. And today, Paul says, we, our bodies are the temple. This is where God dwells, which means there are things we do and don't do in this place. There are things that we do and don't put into our mouths, eat, because it's a sacred place. There are things we do and don't do sexually. There are thoughts that we do and don't think. There are things that we watch and don't watch because this is the place where God dwells. Number four. I manage it. Verse 12 says, I will not be mastered by anything. Paul says, I'm gonna let my body become a slave to anything. If you're dealing with any kind of addiction, alcohol, drugs, prescriptions, pornography, food, another person, 
Any idea, any ideology other than God is a misuse of our bodies. And God's the only master who really knows what will give us the healthiest life possible. And number five, this body will be resurrected. Verse 14, God raised Jesus from the dead. He will raise us also. Christianity is the only religion where matter matters. This stuff. The ultimate affirmation of our physical existence is God himself becoming a human being in the person of Jesus. Now that is a compliment. That's a compliment. And the ultimate hope is that this body will be renewed someday. We're gonna get a new one. It's good news, isn't it? And the older you get, the better new good news this is. It'll have, Paul says later in the book, it'll have a physicality that's different than this one. It's not gonna get old, get arthritis, get cancer, get diabetes, or die. It'll be a body though, just like Jesus' resurrected body. And then Paul summarizes all of these five things in one statement that says, therefore, let's honor God with our bodies. God wants to enjoy our lives. And if I'm not as healthy as I can be, I'm gonna miss out, and so are you. Yeah, there are certain health issues I get. There are certain things you cannot oppose in your body. Your DNA, there are certain things. But what about the areas that we do have some control over? Question. If you could take a pill that would make you 20% healthier today, how many of you would take it? We have them on sale in the bookstore. They're 100 bucks each. If you could spend some money that would make you 20% healthier, how many of you would spend, I, you know, Dennis, I'd spend $500 to be 20% healthier. How many of you would do that? $1,000? Yeah, 5,000? Some of you, some people would, would drain their savings account if they could be healthier. How about time? How many of you would be willing to say, you know what, Dennis, I'd give... I'd give 10 minutes a day to be healthier. I'd give 15 minutes a day to be healthier. I would think, I would think most of us who are here watching online would be able to say there are some things that I could do, some amount of money I could invest, some time I would take that would help me be healthier. Well, we don't have any magic pills, but I have four objects up here that are gonna represent four things that we can do to get healthier. And there's a space in your program by each one. If you like to doodle and draw pictures, uh, you can draw a picture of what it is that I'm gonna bring out. So here's, here's four health goals. The first one is to eat healthy. And I have a device up here that I promise you will transform your health way more than any other thing. And here's the device, right there, the fork. <laughs> Think about it. God gave us 9,000 taste buds in our mouth. For some of you, fully 50% are devoted to the taste of chocolate. <laughs> the Bible speaks very highly of the delight of eating and enjoying food. Jesus went to lavish parties. Jesus was the first one to say, let's eat, drink, and be merry. But like any good thing, 
We can overdo it. Seven out of 10 Americans are overweight, which can wreak havoc with our health. And it's a serious deal because it's the second leading cause of preventable death in the United States. So when it comes to eating, here's one of the places we start. We need to know our numbers. And here's five numbers. We need to know our weight, our waist, our blood sugar, our blood pressure, and our cholesterol. We need to know our numbers. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, let's purify ourselves from everything that contaminates what? The body and the spirit. The body's important, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. The battle of the fork is first fought at the grocery store. We know that. If you don't buy it, you can't eat it. It's not gonna be in the cupboard when you get home. And rule of thumb, many of you know this, is the best food, the most unprocessed food is on the outside of the store. That's where the freshest, least processed food is. When you start going down the aisles, that's where you start picking up all the processed food. The walls are the freshest. So general rule of thumb, if you pick up an item in an aisle and you can't pronounce one of the ingredients, don't buy it. If it's grown on a plant, eat it. If it's manufactured in a plant, use some wisdom. Use some wisdom. Don't drink your calories. The number one factor linked to obesity is liquid calories. We have great water in Colorado. One comedian quipped, have you ever seen the customers in a health food store? They're pale, skinny people who look half dead. In a steakhouse, you see robust, ruddy people. They're dying, of course, but they look great. (laughs) And diets, while they can be helpful, can also be the latest marketing gimmick. Wisdom would dictate, find something that works for you when it comes to eating. Someone said to me one time, Dennis, I'm not dieting. I'm learning how to eat a whole new way. We can eat more of what's good for us. There you go. So ask God to help you use that device with great delight, the fork, but discipline with even greater delight. Number two, move more. From riding lawnmowers to cars to scooters to electric bikes to escalators, elevators, those long conveyor belts in the concourses of airports, we are creating more and more ways to move less and less. And I want you to see a short video where we are poking fun at one of the latest devices to get your money to exercise. Let's watch this. Introducing We Fit. For far too long, video game consoles have limited themselves to being fun and entertaining. But with We Fit, the sky's the limit as you explore exciting new exercises like leaning side to side. Practical applications of We Fit go far beyond working out. Don't want to invest $3.19 on a hula hoop? Why not pick up a Wii for just $300 and enjoy the same fun, but in the comfort of your living room without that annoying plastic hoop? Instead of having your kids go outside to play and get exercise, why not have them stand right in front of the TV? You'll save that money on soccer registration, and the whole family will enjoy watching things fly at your head. Standing in one place has never been more fun than with Nintendo's Wii Fit. Find out today why people all over the world think they're getting exercise with that little white thing you stand on. It's simple, it's easy, and you don't have to do anything. We fit. You use that, we won't be fit. There you go. Book of Proverbs has a name for people who don't move much. 
And it's not a very complimentary name. Proverbs 26. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in a dish. He's too lazy to even get it back to his mouth. And the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who answer discreetly. Pretty interesting picture, huh? People who don't move much say, oh, there's every excuse in the book. Oh, there's a line in the street. There was no line in the street. It's just an excuse. And the picture of him, oh, I don't have enough energy to get that potato chip out of the bag and get it to my mouth. And all those reasons, I'm wiser. He's convinced himself that all that talk about exercise, hard work, and sweat just doesn't apply to him. American Heart Association says 10, seven out of 10 Americans do not exercise regularly. A quote from their website, physical inactivity along with cigarette smoking, high blood pressure and high blood cholesterol is one of the major modifiable risk factors for heart attack. People who don't exercise have twice the chance of dying from heart disease as people who do exercise. Okay, all ye sluggards, let's move it. Everybody stand up. If you can, now sit down. All right, I got you started. All right, that's step one. You've already, hey, you moved, all right? There's no sluggards here, just so you know. Mayo Clinic says we ought to get 150 minutes of moderate aerobic activity or 75 minutes of vigorous aerobic activity every week. And there are a lot of ways to do it. Health clubs, exercise gadgets, personal trainers, all of those require money. However, I have one of the least expensive most effective exercise gadgets right here. How many of you have a pair of these? Yeah, see, you probably don't even need to buy one. Those shoes are made for walking and that's just what they'll do. And here's how we can do it. 30 minutes of walking per day, five days a week would improve your health. And here's some other ways that you can walk more. Park in the farthest spot when you come to church or go to the grocery store. How many times do you drive around and around that island to find a parking spot that's like 10 yards closer? Park in the far spot, whether you're going to work or whatever, you can increase your... Take the stairs instead of the elevators when you can. Cell phones, think of them as a walking machine. You could just as well walk up and down the hall or outside having that half hour conversation as sitting where you're, ha where you're having it. Exercise with another person. Sometimes it's like, hey, if you're gonna meet somebody, you're more likely to do it. Plan vacations that include physical activity like hiking or swimming or biking. Again, we poked fun at the Wii Fit, but sometimes extra gaming or entertainment actually can be quite helpful. Here's a quote. Those who think they don't have time for bodily exercise will sooner or later have to find time to be sick. Good quote. Some of you are doing very well in this area. Others, it's time to step it up. Here's number three. Oh, sleep better. Sleep better. It's a really important part of being healthy is sleeping. Sleep is very critical. It's the time that God's created for us, for our bodies to rejuvenate, to restore. It not only restores our bodies, but our minds 
can rest as well. And yet, 65% of Americans are sleep deficient. For teenagers, recommendation is nine hours. For adults, it's seven to eight hours. When was the last time you fell asleep easily, you stayed asleep all night, and you woke up refreshed and energized for the day? Chronic sleep problems affect millions of us. And I don't mean at work on that where you slept without, I don't mean that at work. How many, we, we, we drive drowsy. 30% of people who drive reported falling asleep at the wheel. 72,000 crashes, 6,000 deaths every year are attributed to fatigue and drowsiness. Psalm 127.2, in vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For God grants sleep to those he loves. Sleep in peace, Psalm 4.8 says, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Sleep is a gift from God. When we have adequate rest, we're often in a better mood, perform better, are mentally sharper, fight off disease and depression. Most recent sleep studies have determined that people who get adequate sleep actually lose weight. If you have trouble sleeping, begin to eat healthier. Stop eating two or three hours before bedtime. Reading the latest Stephen King horror novel or watching the evening bad news might not put your brain in a spot to go to sleep. You can play some soft music. A healthy sex life with your spouse can actually enhance sleep. Keep electronic devices out of the bedroom. Praying can make a difference at bedtime. Sleep is very important to being healthy. And here's number four. Reduce stress. I mean, we could be eating right, exercising, trying to sleep, and still be unhealthy because of the level of stress in our lives. I'll bet if I had a show of hands about people here today who are experiencing a moderate to high level of stress, many, if not most of us, would raise our hands. And positive things can, can create stress, like having a baby, getting a promotion, going to college, buying a house, building a house, moving. But there are a lot of negative circumstances that just ratchet up the stress level of our lives, the loss of a job, the death of a loved one, a diagnosis, relationship or financial problems, caring for an aging parent, a lawsuit, a divorce, a jam-packed schedule, the economy. Proverbs 12.25 says, worry weighs down the heart. Chronic stress can make us sicker, fatter, look older, cause infertility, and generally make life miserable, not only for us, but for those who are around us when we're stressed. Dr. Richard Carlson said that stress is nothing more than a socially acceptable form of mental illness. So here are some suggestions to reduce stress. Number one, if you missed John's talk a few weeks ago during our series Road Trip on Fear, it was week seven of road trip, go back, listen, watch that talk. It was very helpful. Make a list of five things you're grateful for every day will reduce stress. Laugh more. The average child laughs 100 times a day. The average adult, 12 times a day. Laugh more. There's stuff that happens every day that's just laughable and fun. The other day, my wife and I were 
driving down the street and we came to a stop sign and uh, a stoplight. And uh, it turned green, I took off and she says to me, whoa, you really romped on it there. You almost like left some black marks on the, I go, no, I didn't. I just, that was, she goes, yes, you did. You romped, I go, no, I didn't. She goes, look at the dog in the back seat. Funny stuff happens. That we've, we've called him squeeze ever since that moment. <laughs> Laugh more. Number four, get regular health screenings. Now I know this one's easy to let slide. It is. But cancer's the number two killer in the United States. Number one is heart disease. 662 deaths per year from cancer. One out of every four deaths is by cancer. One in two men are gonna get cancer in their lifetime. One in three women. For men, the top types are lung and prostate cancer. For women, it's lung and breast cancer. The good news is that there's ever-climbing survival rates, but the key is early detection. Lung cancer, if it's detected early, people have 48% chance of living at least five years. You put off the diagnosis, you have 2% chance. Breast cancer, the five-year survival rate is 97% if de detected early. You wait and it spreads, it drops to 23%. Prostate cancer, 100% survival rate in the first five years if detected early. If you wait, drops to 34%. And this really hits home for me. My mom died of breast cancer when she was 58. My dad, my uncle, my older brother, and my younger brother have all had prostate cancer and treatment. You think I watch my... Prostate like a hawk? I do. I do. And that's why. So here you go. Another exercise. Pick up the phone and call and make the appointment for the screening, whatever it happens to be. There it is. It's, it's calling you right now. <laughs> it's your doctor going, hey, when you coming in? The best, if you put it off, I, I understand getting a diagnosis can create stress. You put it off and it spreads and then you get the diagnosis. Now there's some stress. There's some stress. So you want a little bit or you want a lot? And the best stress reduction prescription I can offer you is this. It's a Bible. It's a Bible. It's a way that we can connect through the truths of that book with the God who is the ultimate stress reliever. Number one command in the Bible, don't have any fear. Stress is another form of fear. We can connect with the living God who has everything we need. And this message is for me, that worry that weighs down the heart thing, I'm a worrier, I really am. And I read just this morning, worry is one of the most worthless emotions we can ever experience. Just think about it. Fear and worry are worthless. They don't do us any good. I've often said worry is praying to yourself. So when I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't sleep, I read verses from that book. I do. I quote them from memory sometimes. I pray them slowly, sometimes out loud, quietly. The Psalms are full of stress-relieving, comforting 
words because they connect us to the God who has no lack. God has, is a ready source. He has an infinite supply, infinite supply of everything you and I need. So I wanna end our time today by doing a stress-reducing prayer exercise with us all. If you're watching online, you can do that. We can do this as well. So, and I'm not gonna get weird, all right, with you, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to just put stuff off of your lap and I want you to relax. Okay, just in your chair, if you're watching online, wherever you are, just relax. Then I want you to roll your shoulders forward a little bit and let them relax. I want you to roll your shoulders backwards a little bit. Let them relax, okay? I want you to roll your head around and then just let it relax. Take a deep breath, let it out slow. Take another deep breath. Let it out slowly. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to let bubble to the surface of your mind the thing that's most troubling to you or most challenging to you in your life right now. Relationship, finances, a health, might be another person, something that's going on in that person's life. Decision, a choice you have to make. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read Psalm 23 through one phrase at a time and I want you to whisper after I say the phrase, I just want you to whisper it out loud and allow God's spirit to speak into whatever it is that you're facing in your life today. So here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. You could whisper that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. We're gonna add a little music here. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me 
in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand? So this week, uh, don't, don't try all four. Be hard on your health. Pick one. You know, it might be, you know what, Dennis, I, I need to get the food thing under control in my life. Or I do need to move more. I can, I can do that. Uh, sleep. Maybe that's it. Or it might be the greatest stress reducer in the world is God himself, God's spirit. Accessing him through this might be what it is that you need. So pick one. Pick one thing in each of these. And maybe today we could say, you know, God, I'm gonna honor you with my body. Can we do that? All right.